Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Haley B. Miller, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the super duper edition. This week, we're talking about a big old pot of money, why fracking bids are a secret, how lawmakers are dealing with property tax woes, and the latest in a fight over the state pension board. Joining me today on this sunny February day is Laura Bischoff. It's super duper to be here. All right. Our first topic, coincidentally, is what lawmakers are calling the super duper fund. The House approved this huge spending bill this week to pay for school building upgrades, jail construction, and infrastructure. It also includes $350 million for local projects like updates to the Pro Football Hall of Fame and money for the Hamilton County Convention Center development. Lawmakers like to brag about getting money for their districts, but this bill is a little more controversial. Bring us up to speed. Yeah, so Ohio, because it got like that big tsunami of federal money, which then um, people went out and spent, and then it helped gin up a bunch more revenues. Long story short, Ohio had all this money, and they decided to divert some of it off into like this cash pot, which is officially called the One-Time Strategic Community Investment Fund, the OTSGIF. But Jay Edwards, the uh, House Finance Committee chairman, told me that they've been calling it the Super Duper Fund, which I like better. It is um, more fun. It is more fun. So the House, you know, came up, the House and the Senate agreed that they'd split, like each side would decide how $350 million of the $700 million would be spent. And the House has been kind of uh, moving quickly to, you know, come up with this big, long list of projects. And then they introduced the bill, like it dropped late on... When was that? Tuesday night? Yeah. And then they had a very quick hearing on it on Wednesday, and then it was on the floor on Wednesday afternoon. Um, And uh, the Senate president during the House session issued a kind of a terse statement that said, hey, you guys kind of broke process. We you didn't talk to us about this and we're not going to get rushed. And so we're going to we're going to do deal with this um, project list with the capital budget this spring. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, like I said, people are usually pretty gung-ho to spend money in this way to gen up local projects and things like that. But Huffman and Stevens have kind of a tense relationship right now because they're both likely going to be running for the same job next year. Huffman is term limited in the Senate. He's running for a House seat now, and he will more than likely try to run for speaker. Yeah. And now also there's like a faction of Republicans who are in the um, Derek Maron camp who wanted Derek Maron as a speaker and they're still ticked off that Stevens got it. And there was some drama on the house floor where they were trying to stand up and speak against the bill. Um, I think a couple of them wanted to, you know, put forth a, like a tax cut for the 700 million, just like basically give it back to people rather than spend it on these projects. 
and uh, Stevens refused to to uh, acknowledge them, and so that caused some um, grumbling. And like you said, too, I mean, this came forward pretty fast, not a lot of public attention. And that's always a weird feeling because you're dealing with a lot of money. This is public policy that's going to affect the state. And I think some of those Republicans that you talked about were also frustrated about that. Yeah. Like I said, this kept, you know, this came out into public view and, you know, with less than 12 hours later, it was um, being voted on. And the um, it is pretty remarkable. The, the press asked uh, Speaker Stevens about this afterwards, and he said, "Well, you know, we've been talking about with these about these projects with local officials, and we feel like that was public discussion. But you know, talking to the mayor on a phone call about a project that's going to cost millions of dollars is not the same thing as airing it out in public." Right. It'll be. I'll be curious to see if some of these appropriations stick like i know the columbus symphony is going to get 10 million that they want to use on a new symphony hall and everyone here in columbus is very excited about that but with huffman's comments i'm not sure any of this is quite a done deal yet yeah the other thing is the house is like well we really want to get this stuff out um, and started so we can capitalize on the 2024 construction season uh, you know, call me a skeptic, but they also are, you know, running into a primary season. So having this big um, list of, hey, look at all the new shiny things that we can fund for on the campaign trail is convenient for them as well. I'm sure it has nothing to do with that. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our next topic is fracking in state parks and why a lot of the process is happening behind closed doors. Last Sunday was the deadline to submit bids to extract oil and gas under three state parks and wildlife areas. But thanks to a 2011 law, we're not going to know who applied until the Oil and Gas Land Commission picks a winner. That's because the state wants to keep these bids confidential, thinking if they do so, they'll encourage more bids and therefore good quality bids. Critics of fracking are mad about this, and honestly, this entire process has been pretty chaotic. It has really ginned up a lot of attention. These hearings, um, which sometimes are held, you know, kind of out in far-flung places, have really attracted a lot of um, a lot of attendees. Um, and I think that there's a lot of suspicion about why is this so secretive when we're dealing with public lands and public policy. There have been some companies that have pretty publicly signaled that they want to frack under Ohio parks. I know a company in Texas is interested in making a bid for Salt Fork. So some of that information is out there, but opponents of this say this the entire process really has been secretive, murky to the public. There was a whole to-do over letters that were sent and favor and opposition of these of fracking in the parks that I think the attorney general is still looking into. Right. Right. That was something that Cleveland.com first reported on. And it was a really interesting story about how, you know, there were like 
um, letters submitted uh, in the names of like 10-year-old kids or people who are like, I didn't submit any public comment on this. I don't know how that happened. So that really kind of eroded confidence in this process and kind of contributed to, again, this skepticism and uh, concern that it's it's too secretive. And if I remember right from Jesse's story, there's no real timeline for deciding on these bids. I think they can, like, there's not a deadline. They don't have to do it by a certain point. Correct. They can, at the point at which they finally do pick somebody, then it becomes public. But there is no deadline for selecting winners. All right, let's talk now about property taxes, the topic that has been giving me a headache all week. A lot of Ohioans are unhappy with the hikes in their tax bills this year. This happened because of inflated home values and complex rules for school funding that would take me like an hour to dive into. So we're not going to do that. But basically, this issue is on a lot of people's minds right now. Knowing that, lawmakers are trying to find a solution. The House and Senate formed a committee to dig into property tax reform, and they have until the end of the year to figure out a solution. Some reps want to do something faster because they're getting calls nonstop from unhappy constituents, but it doesn't seem like a short-term solution is in sight. No, I think that there's some fundamental differences about how this should come about. I know that... um, your story talked about how Policy Matters Ohio is talking about trying to do what's called a circuit breaker, which would you know help um, homeowners and renters who are paying an outside portion of their income into housing and their property taxes. So, but I don't know that that's something that like the Republicans would really embrace. I think there's a, probably a bunch of different ways to go about it, and they haven't really come come together at all. And you know, the other thing is like. This is a very complicated problem, and I would say that sometimes the lawmakers are not that great at paying sustained attention and coming to agreed solutions on complex problems. Yeah, there are a couple tax wonks in the House and Senate, I think, but it is a messy issue that not a lot of people want to dive super far into, I don't think. There was one bill in the fall that the House passed that would change the formula for calculating home valuations. The Senate basically gutted that and turned that into an expansion of the homestead exemption. So low-income elderly Ohioans, folks who are disabled, would get some relief on their property taxes. And a lot of people are saying that seniors are really the hardest hit right now anyway. But Speaker Stevens doesn't seem like he has a huge interest in concurring on the Senate changes. He was like, we'll just wait for this committee to give us a suggestion. Yeah, that may also dovetail in with, again, the tensions between Speaker Stevens and Matt Huffman, who both want the Speaker job. Our last topic for the day is pension drama. The state teacher's retirement system is in the middle of a legal fight over who should be on the board. Governor Mike DeWine pulled Wade Steen off the board before the end of his term and appointed someone else. Steen said the governor wasn't allowed to do that. Now, there's a bigger fight surrounding this lawsuit, and this is where I tap Laura, our pension guru. Yeah, so um, Steen filed a lawsuit um, against the guy who has the position now, a guy named uh, Brent Bishop. And an appeals court magistrate uh, issued a ruling this week that said that the governor lacked authority to remove Steen and replace him with Bishop. 
but the magistrate's order is not final or binding. And so it's probably going to go to a three-judge panel of appeals court judges in the 10th district. And, you know, there's there's like a set schedule for each side having a chance to respond and rebut and the rest of it. And it, it could be that this drags on um, through the summer and the, the term ends at the end of September. So they could end up r- running out the clock on this. It's really curious. But the bigger picture is that the 11-member STRS board, which oversees $90 billion invested on behalf of 500,000 teachers and retirees, has been kind of um, in turmoil for the last few years. There's a, a group of activists that feel like the director and the current board membership doesn't really respond to teachers and to what they what their concerns are, that there's issues of transparency, that the staff is overpaid, they get too many bonuses. And actually in November, there was an anonymous letter that came out against the director, Bill Neville, and the board put him on paid administrative leave so that the attorney general's office could hire a law firm to investigate these allegations against Bill Neville. So there's a lot going on there. And this is a really important board. Mm-hmm. Again, like, you know, teachers work their entire careers counting on that board, you know, doing a good job so that they can retire as planned. And Wade Steen was part of this like activist faction, right? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, the the board was kind of like on the on the verge of um, the activists kind of taking over. They had won uh, an elected position. And that's when the governor made this switcheroo, which again, made a lot of people who want to see change upset. Yeah, I definitely never imagined that a pension board would be this spicy, but definitely a lot of developments to watch out for. And one more thing before you go. The House also approved a bill this week that would require schools to teach kids about capitalism. This would be added to classes that teach kids about money management, paying taxes, things like that. The House changed a Senate bill, so it'll go back there before it heads to DeWine. Yeah, this there's a Democrat, um, former social studies teacher who kind of panned the whole thing, just saying that it was, um, you know, not the right move and problematic. And I'm not really sure how the Senate views this, but essentially it's, you know, Ohio requires um, high school kids to take a financial literacy class. And this would cram in free market ideals and rah-rah capitalism kind of messages into that curriculum. Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can check us out on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Ohio Explained. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.